Hey guys, Chris Black here. This week, it's going to be a little bit different on the podcast. Usually I have a guest and try to have a, a good, thoughtful, deep conversation. This week, it's actually a recording of a Twitter space that I ran just a couple of days ago on the topic of Thor Chain and Thor Swap. I'm going to go over the details of why I chose that topic at the beginning of the Twitter space. But it's important to understand, even if you're not familiar with ThorChain or ThorSwap, the bigger theme here is about regulation. The bigger theme here is about developers agreeing to comply and the negative side effects that that's having on the crypto world in general. So even if you're a Bitcoiner, even if you're a Monero follower, whoever you might be, I feel like this is gonna be a good rant, which is what it turned into but a good rant for you to listen to. I hope you take something away from it. Before I get into that, I just wanna thank a few sponsors. I'm gonna run through them pretty quickly this week. Foundation Devices, the Passport Bitcoin wallet. It's open source, it's very nicely designed, it's air-gapped. Highly recommend you check it out at foundationdevices.com slash bleck. And by the way, use promo code bleck, B-L-E-C, for three months of free IVPN privacy-preserving VPN service with your purchase of a passport. BitRefill.com. You can go to BitRefill, use your crypto to purchase gift cards, to purchase eSIMs. Uh, the sky's the limit of what you can find on BitRefill.com. Promo code ChrisBleck gets you 10% off of your purchase back to you in Bitcoin. So that's BitRefill.com, promo code ChrisBleck. And finally, RoninDojo.io. Ronin Dojo makes the Tonto full node. If you're a Bitcoiner, you need a full node. Promo code BLEK gets you $10 off the purchase of a Tonto full node at ronindojo.io. Let's get into that Twitter space conversation. So listen, people are, are filtering in, which is good. I would like to have a conversation and not just a rant, if possible. So I'm angry. I'm frustrated. Honestly, it's not at Thor swap though. It's really not at, I feel like, um, this project, I've supported it for years, you know, I've supported Thor chain, Thor swap. Uh, even going so far as to promote it on my podcast. And I, I feel like the developers here, to a certain extent, are victims of a larger trend. And I think that it's important that we discuss the larger trend, because if we continue to just ignore it, let it go in silence, uh, conform to it, it's going to head to a place that I just don't think that, that most people supporting ThorChain or decentralized finance in general want to go. You know, so I'm not angry at Thor swap. I'm angry at the trend and I'm angry that people don't want to acknowledge where it's all heading because it's all so predictable. So I ask as we, as we have the conversation that you don't jump straight to being defensive, that you don't jump to straight to protecting your bag, you know, that you don't jump to to straight thinking that it's a, it's an attack on your favorite project because it's, it's, it's really not that it's more of a bigger picture thing. And 
to me, this is one of the best examples of the trend occurring. And one of the most concerning, because I do think that it's happening with people who, who know better deep down inside, you know, principled people who aren't sure what to do. So that's what I think we need to talk about. This was supposed to be a podcast with of Thorchain, but he was advised not to do it. You know, lawyers got involved. We're talking about a decentralized protocol here. And lawyers are telling developers not to do podcasts with supporters because um, they don't want difficult questions. You know, and I think that, uh, so then I threw it out there to, to other Thorchain contributors, supporters, ThorSwap contributors, supporters. Uh, everybody's afraid to talk. What's going on? Everybody's afraid to talk. This is a decentralized protocol. I get it. Front ends are not decentralized. Yeah, okay. Everyone's afraid to talk. They're afraid of the government. They're afraid of the law. The chilling effect is real. What is the government doing to us? What are we allowing the government to do to us? And what are we allowing the government to do to innovation in this space? So, okay, let, let's start from the beginning because not everybody even knows what ThorChain is or what ThorSwap is. So, ThorChain is a, and, and I'm sure there's somebody here that can explain it better than me. <laughs> but ThorChain is basically, it's a system of nodes. Uh, I checked today, there's 93 active nodes. And those nodes work together with using the ThorChain protocol to execute. Uh, what's best described as, I think, native cross-chain swaps. Okay, so swaps across chains. So think it, it's like Uniswap, but across blockchains, Bitcoin to Ethereum, Litecoin to Dogecoin. Okay, you're not wrapping the tokens. You're literally taking Bitcoin from a wallet that you own, a self-custodial wallet. You're putting it through ThorChain, through these, this system of nodes, and it's coming out the other end as um, whatever other crypto you want that ThorChain supports in the same dollar value based on the, the dollar values that ThorChain nodes come up with, okay, which are generally pretty accurate. So you're basically swapping $100 of Bitcoin for $100 of Doge or whatever you want to do. Don't know why you would want to do that, but you can do that. So that's what ThorChain is. Again, 93 nodes. That's going to be important as we have this conversation. Um, ThorSwap is um, a, the primary front end for all of these services that ThorChain offers. Not the only front end, but the primary front end. And I'm not totally sure. Maybe somebody else knows what the relationship is between the ThorChain developers and the ThorSwap developers. I don't even know that. I don't know that. I do know it's a different team, as far as I know. I believe that. Um, but the front end is a website, ultimately. You know, it has services behind it. It, it uses all sorts of technology to facilitate swapping, to facilitate liquidity providing, uh, more recently to facilitate single-sided liquidity providing uh, using the earn functionality where you can just deposit one crypto and earn interest on it. 
lets you check your balances, lets you keep tabs on, on how your investments are doing. Again, there's other front ends, but this is the primary front end. This is the first link on Thorchain.com. You could potentially say this is the official front end. Maybe there's arguments against that, but it sure does seem that way with the naming, with the linking, with the prominence of it. So um, let's call it the main front end. Also, by the way, ThorSwap also developed something called SwapKit, which is underlying tech that actually powers other front ends. Okay, so um, what we're going to talk about here may be affecting those front ends as well. And by the way, back to ThorChain. 93 nodes, active nodes right now. Important to note, this is going to be important for this conversation too. Uh, around 75 of those 93 nodes are running in the cloud on, on regulated, well-known cloud services, including Amazon Web, including DigitalOcean, including Google. 75 out of 93 are running on AWS, DigitalOcean, or Google. Two-thirds of the nodes are required for consensus to make any change to the to the to Thor change, to Thor chain, <laughs> to modify the logic, to halt it if there's a, a bug which it's done in the past, uh, can it shut it down for any reason, including if a government requests it. Okay, two thirds of nodes, as far as I know, and again, I'm doing this publicly because I want to be corrected if I'm wrong. Two thirds of nodes could come together to make any change, including adding a protocol level blacklist. And that blacklist could be from anywhere. It could be from the government, it could be from chain analysis, could be wherever. Okay, so that's important because uh, 75 out of 93 nodes are on AWS, DigitalOcean, or Google. Okay, those three or any one of them could come and say, Thorchain, you need to do this or we're going to bounce all your nodes off. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Okay, so what happened? Why are we here? And again, as I'm talking, I'm, do I'm doing this on Twitter Spaces as well as recording for podcast. And I invite anybody to request the mic if you have a relevant uh, question, comment, you want to just chime in, you want to correct something. Uh, don't want promotion for other projects. Uh, don't want that here. So please um, just keep it on topic if you do want to say something. I, I, I want that. I want you to talk to me. Uh, okay, so we're here because there was a hacker who stole like $400 million from FTX. And I'll put stole in quotation marks because we don't really know what the heck happened. We don't know who it is. We don't know if it was an inside job. We don't know if it was an outside job, whatever. Okay, but somebody took $400 million from FTX centralized exchange uh, a while back. And just in the past week, they started to move the money to the Bitcoin network. Okay, so it was on the Ethereum network and they wanted to move it to the Bitcoin network. ThorChain's a great way to do that, right? And we all know that. That's why it exists. <laughs> it exists so that people like you and me and anybody in the world can move money between blockchains. So the hacker knew that. You know, and they decided to, hey, I mean, it's there. It's got liquidity. We can do this. Uh, let's go ahead and move these funds. 
across from Ethereum to Bitcoin. And we're going to use ThorChain because ThorChain is pretty much the best way to do it right now. Uh, and they, they use ThorSwap, right? And I'm not, I'm not totally sure how that was ascertained. I'm not totally sure how it was determined that they used ThorSwap, but I'm assuming that there's some way to figure that. Uh, so um, at first, it just looked like huge amount of activity on ThorChain, right? People on Twitter are celebrating. Oh my God, everybody's using ThorChain. This is huge. Look at this whale. Uh, next thing you know, <laughs> hey, this is crime, guys. You know, it's crime. The government doesn't like this. This is not good. This is a thief. Uh, and then at that point, it's interesting how the pivot occurred uh, because it took a matter of seconds before the ThorChain Twitter account, instead of celebrating, uh, was now saying, uh, hey, there's no privacy here. We're denouncing the idea of privacy on ThorChain. Uh, we're proud not to have privacy. And you don't have to worry about hackers using this because you can see that they're using it and there's never going to be privacy for anybody uh, that uses ThorChain. Uh, the implied message there is that ThorChain was buying into the government's mandates, buying into the government's logic that we're all guilty until we're proven innocent, and therefore we shouldn't have privacy. And that's why when that tweet came out, that was my first big objection and red flag to what was, what was going on. I could kind of see what was coming. It's because they, you know, it wasn't said, I'm not putting words in ThorChain's mouth. And whoever runs the Twitter, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I've said for a long time that Twitter account is ThorChain's biggest liability, and I still think so. Uh, but tweets like that, that go out there and basically brag about a lack of privacy, are, they, they say two things. Number one, that basically saying you're never going to offer privacy and that privacy is not a goal that uh, is worth striving for, which is wrong. Privacy is a human right, and it should be the default always across the board. And not having privacy is a bug, not a feature. Uh, so that's number one. And number two is uh, you're saying that users are going to remain guilty until proven innocent. That's what you're saying. Maybe you didn't mean to say that, but that's what you're saying. Okay, so after the FTX hackers are moving money, ThorChain is den denouncing privacy. Uh, and we figure out, okay, they use ThorSwap. The ThorSwap developers, and this is where there's a little bit of a black hole for me, and I'm not sure if anybody can fill in the gaps. But the Thorch swap developers decide the best course of action is to pause the front end. Okay, so that the main uh, front end for Thorchain, yes, it's centralized. And yes, we knew all along that it could be paused, it could be shut down, it could be anything because it's a website. And websites, this can happen. We see it all the time. Even domains get hacked and, and taken over. Okay, so we're not new to this. We know the websites are centralized. Uh, so they decided to, to pause swaps. They didn't hijack people's money. As far as I know, LPs could still withdraw, earned depositors could still withdraw. They just stopped the swaps. Okay, but why? Why did they stop the swaps? They stopped the swaps because they were afraid of a government attack, not on users, but on themselves, okay? They're operating on the advice probably of lawyers, of attorneys. But the important thing to understand here, and again, this is not, I'm not trying to attack 
these developers. I, wa I want people to understand how human nature is getting in the way here. Because when things get screwed up in crypto, it's almost always because of human nature. And we almost always want to ignore it. Uh, but these developers went into self-preservation mode. Nothing they've been doing over the past week has been about protecting you. It hasn't been about that. It's been about protecting themselves. Because everybody goes into that mode if they're able to. If the opportunity is there to keep your family from suffering, to keep you from suffering, to keep your bank account from suffering, if there's a way to do that, 99,999 times out of 100,000, that's going to happen because that's what humans do. Okay, so these guys went into self-preservation mode. And in doing so, they traded away some of your rights in order to preserve their own. And that's what happens when you have centralized control and you're able to do that. Okay, it's totally predictable. We all knew this could happen. We all knew that this type of thing could happen with ThorSwap. We all knew we could have seen if we'd tried, and this is the stuff I do all day, every day, is like extrapolate, okay, what, ha what happens if that attack happens? Okay, ThorSwap's probably going to start to trade away our rights for their self-preservation. Uh, and that's, that's what happened. And when I say trade away our rights, I say, because now it's relaunching and it's going to have a screening service. It's going to have a blacklist that's going to block uh, our addresses from using ThorSwap that the government does not approve of. And when I say the government, I'm talking about the US and EU governments, I assume. I'm not totally sure how these blacklists work from Chainalysis, TRM Labs, et cetera. Uh, but um, ThorSwap has now agreed to enforce the rules that are being set by the government and by the regulators that created the entire banking system that we are supposed to be trying to escape. ThorSwap has agreed to become basically an agent of the government in that regard. Okay. So this is where it gets tricky. This is where it gets hard to explain and understand and come to terms. Okay. But I would love to be able to do that. I would love to be able to talk about this in a way that we can all relate to. Okay. So what's wrong here? The precedent, okay, was what I just talked about. ThorSwap, ThorSwap and other front ends that do this kind of blocking, they've agreed to be agents of the government against their users. They've agreed to enforce rules that they didn't make and that they don't even perhaps agree with on behalf of the government. And so like today, this might look logical, right, to a lot of people. Oh, we're just blocking hackers and thieves, right? That's what the government wants us to do. What's the problem with that? That's not the precedent that's being set here. That's not what you've agreed to do. You have not agreed to only block hackers and thieves. You've agreed to block anyone that the government tells you to block. You've agreed to block anyone that the government doesn't approve of. That is not just hackers and thieves. 
And if you don't do what they tell you to do, if you don't continue to be an agent of the government, you will suffer. You'll be back in self-preservation mode, trying to figure out how to save yourself. This is the agreement that ThorSwap and Uniswap and any other front-end uh, companies are agreeing. They're, this is the agreement that they're making with the government. They will now and forever be agents of them, and they will do whatever they ask them to do. And again, it's not just about hackers. That's not the agreement. It's not just about what we see today as crypto criminals, okay? It's not just about blocking all of Sam Bankman-Fried's alts, <laughs> okay? Maybe today that's what it's about, but that's not the agreement. The agreement is now and forever, you block who the government tells you to block. Last year, it was only last year, the Canadian Freedom Convoy protests in Canada, in Ottawa, and across the country, really. People were protesting against the government trying to force them to receive a medical procedure before they could they could make a living before, you know, for them to be able to feed their families. If you're in the U.S., it was not like this. Up there, it was a different story. They needed to protest. They needed to protest. They needed to preserve. They wanted to preserve their bodily autonomy, their freedom to choose. Whether or not you decided to get that, that jab, there's plenty of people there that got the jab that still understood. We can't allow this precedent to be set. We can't allow the government to say, get this medical procedure where you can't eat, you can't buy food, you can't work, you can't feed your family. And ultimately what the government said is, you don't get that jab, you protest, we are going to freeze your bank account. We are going to freeze your crypto. And that's what they did. The government froze the bank accounts of protesters. In addition, they called up Kraken, they called up Coinbase. They called up all these centralized exchanges and said, you're going to freeze crypto of these protesters. And they did it. Kraken did it. Coinbase did it. Everybody did it. Because they were in self-preservation mode. It was like, do it or suffer as a business in a big way in Canada. So they did it. So now... If this matures, you know, if this ecosystem matures, if ThorSwap matures, if Uniswap matures, we already know that crypto is very, especially on Ethereum and, and Bitcoin too, if, if steps aren't taken, it's very traceable. You have to KYC on every exchange before you can withdraw. Nine out of 10 people have no concept of what privacy really means on Bitcoin. Uh, so you, your crypto is known. Okay, it's known which addresses are yours. You might think it's not, but it probably is, unless you're really taking a lot of steps. Uh, so what's to stop the next time this happens, even if it's in five, 10 years, right, where this is really blown up and everything's happening and, and all these websites have agreed to be agents of the government. What's to stop the next time there's a freedom protest from those protesters being on Thor Swap's blacklist. What's to stop that? There's nothing to stop that. Are you thinking about that? Are you thinking about what's going to happen when there's dissidents in another country, when there's 
protesters that are protesting an immoral government somewhere in Asia or Africa who refuse to comply with uh, immoral and illegitimate governments? Are you ready to add them to your blacklist because governments told you to do it? Are you ready to? And by the way, it's not just about their governments. It's about the U.S. government. It's about the EU government. There's a war going on right now in in uh, Israel. Okay. Are you ready to? You know, you can be super passionate about one side, but are you ready to block supporters of the side that you're on if your government tells you you have to? Because that's the deal you're making right now. This isn't a fairy tale. This is reality. This is. This is what happens. This is how banks work. This is how exchanges work. This is what you've now agreed to. This is what ThorSwap has agreed to. This is the deal that was made. Who remembers WikiLeaks a few years ago when the U.S. government moved, did everything it could to stop people from donating to WikiLeaks, froze bank accounts, froze PayPal accounts, froze every kind of account possible. The only way people could donate to WikiLeaks was with Bitcoin. That was it. Because Bitcoin is censorship resistant. Now, regardless, you know, WikiLeaks, personally, I think it's, it's, it was a wonderful thing that happened. It's journalism. It's important. It exposed so much stuff that we needed to know, that we had the right to know as individuals. The government disagreed because the government wants to hide their secrets. And the government also controls the rules of these blacklists. So now ThorSwap has agreed that it will block accounts of, of organizations like WikiLeaks in the future when the government tells it to. Is that what this is all about? Is that what we're doing here? Is it, do you really want to defend that? Is that really why you're in crypto? Now I get it. This is just ThorSwap we're talking about. It's not ThorChain. Okay, but ThorChain is susceptible to this kind of problem. And if we don't, at this point, if we don't say that this is terrible, then we're setting the table for that conversation to happen when it comes to the protocol. Like I said before, ThorChain has 93 active nodes and at least 75 of those are on what I'll call regulated cloud services like Google, AWS, DigitalOcean. Those nodes, uh, you know, there's a lot of um, money tied up in those nodes from the node operators. Those node operators don't want to lose their money. They don't want to get slashed. They don't want to have problems. Those node operators, just the node operators on those cloud services could collude to change the rules of the protocol. They could defy the will of everybody else involved with ThorChain. And they could change the rules of the protocol. This is what we're dealing with. I'd love to hear from people who have information about, I know there's, there's, there's a movement to try to move off of the cloud services and it's been going on for a couple of years. Uh, but when I looked today and saw 75 and 93 are still on AWS, Google, DigitalOcean, I just thought to myself, where, where are we going? Where are we going with this thing? Because it doesn't look good. You know, the developers are, are, are doxxed and known. Uh, we've seen Tornado Cash. We've seen 
issues with with having that situation. You know, it's 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 not good. This is the trend, though. This is the trend, and it's predictable. But you know, the the big thing uh, from Taylor Monahan of Consensus, she's had a lot to say about this, and she is of the opinion that steps should be taken to keep uh what you know what people like to call illicit actors thieves hackers today's criminals that we're talking about right steps should be taken to keep them from using these projects and those steps should involve censorship of some sort but now think back to bitcoin's like early days right think back to um early days of Bitcoin, before people really knew about it, before it had the mass adoption that it, that it eventually got. Now, not in the way that we imagined back then, but you know, the, the, at least the, there's not a lot of people left in the world that haven't heard of Bitcoin, right? Think back to the early days when nobody knew about Bitcoin. Who was using it back then? Yeah, there was a few of us out there using it, right? There was a few, you know, the nerds were using it and, uh, Miners were using it and people that were directly, you know, involved with the protocol. Similar to how with ThorChain today, you know, yeah, node operators use it. Yeah, rune holders use it. Yeah, uh, it's still struggling to get that bigger adoption. So Bitcoin was there, you know, in, in the early 2010s. But you know who else was using it? Criminals were using it. Criminals were using it. For a lot of different reasons. And law enforcement knew about it, right? We know Silk Road was <laughs> a great case of, uh, uh, you know, uh, law enforcement getting involved. And, and uh, Silk Road was obviously a censorable thing. You know, that's a good example of a front end that was taken down, developer arrested uh, for whatever reasons. Um, but law enforcement was all over it. And, and, but the criminal activity was happening. If Bitcoin was capable at that point of being compromised, it would have been, right? If, if there was a way to block those criminal transactions back then with a blacklist or whatever it might be, it would have, it would have been implemented because the developers would have gone into self-preservation mode. They would have tried to find ways to protect themselves, but it wasn't an option. It wasn't an option because it was, it was sufficiently decentralized by that point. If that same problem happens with ThorChain today, it's a different story. It's a different story, you know, because of the, the cloud nodes, because of the developers being out there uh, for a number of different reasons. So we have to start to ask ourselves, what's really, what's the, what's the real goal here? If the real goal is to have a censorship resistant protocol, that's not happening right now. That's not happening. There's no sign of that happening. With the nodes all living in regulated clouds and with the developers being out there and with the, the attitude that people are having towards, um, towards the Thor swap situation, um, that's not, it doesn't look like that's happening. So is the project changing? Is the philosophy of the project changing? Uh, because if it's not, then there's a, a big failure happening. But, you know, we've already seen projects like Uniswap add these kinds of screening tools to their website, right? Which people are using as an excuse for ThorSwap. 
But my argument back is Uniswap. Uniswap has shown many times that it's given up on privacy, that it's given up on self-sovereign finance, that it's given up on resistance to the government, resistance to immorality, resistance to illegitimate regulators. Uniswap gave up on that. It started hiring those people uh, because it wants to be adopted. It wants to be regulated. So we've seen that kind of stuff already happening. We've seen Tornado Cash try. They actually did try to uh, appease the government. Wasn't enough. They still had problems. They're still having problems. They still were sitting in jail cells. We've seen um, Vitalik now come up with this privacy pools idea, which is really, um, I did a whole separate podcast on this. That idea goes in the same vein of, of a lot of stuff that ThorSwap supporters and all this have been saying, which is, we're just trying to block the, the bad guys. What's wrong with that? There's two things wrong with that. Number one, you can't do it without presuming everybody guilty until they're proven innocent, which is immoral in the first place. But number two is that today's criminals won't be tomorrow's criminals. And you're not agreeing just to block the criminals. You're agreeing to block anybody the government tells you to block. More recently, we've seen geo-blocking on websites, we've seen even some uh, DeFi and crypto front ends blocking VPNs entirely, which they say they're doing to block people from circumventing their geo blocks. But what they're really doing is blocking privacy. They're banning privacy from their projects. Because not everybody's using a VPN to circumvent geo blocks. A lot of people are using VPNs just because it's the only way they can actually access the internet. Uh, but they're blocked now from these projects. And now we got ThorSwap here. So, you know, my takeaway here is censorship resistance is all or nothing. You know, and I said earlier today, um, or maybe it was yesterday, I forget. But, you know, I would rather see projects shut down and become agents of the government, okay? And people will look at me and say, are you crazy? Why would we shut down? Why would we give up our business? Why would we lay off our staff? Why would we do this or that? And my answer is that's what a principled actor in this space would do. They can refuse to comply, okay? Your options then become you shut down or you completely open source, you stop hosting, you let the community figure out what to do with this open source code. But in this case, and again, I'll say it again, I'm not trying to attack these developers, but these developers are not incentivized to do those things. They're not incentivized to shut down. They're not incentivized to, to open source. They're not incentivized to stop hosting. They're incentivized to comply. Okay, unfortunately, Unfortunately, the opposite of courage is not coward, okay? The opposite of courage is compliance, okay? You can be courageous or you can comply. You know, com being courageous in this case doesn't even necessarily have to mean the two options I said, which are like shutting down or open sourcing, but even putting up a fight, even going out there and saying, look, 
I don't want this. This is not what I want to do. And I'm not going to do it. And I want to find out there's another way. But that's, that, is, that hasn't been happening. Once the lawyers get involved, they'll tell you, don't fight. You know, let's just be, be, let's play chess here. Let's play chess. What they want to do is compromise. They want to negotiate with the government. That's what lawyers will do every single time. Uh, but that's not what principal people in the space would do. Principal actors in the space would not comply with illegitimate and immoral um, coercions from the government. So, you know, my, my, my real last question is, are we, are we just here to create a new banking system that's just as susceptible to this immoral regulation as the old one was? Because that's what we're doing. Is that why we're here? Or are we here to do something different? The most common feedback I get from people um, when I say this kind of stuff is, well, why don't you go and build it? Why don't you go and do it? You make it sound so easy. I wish I could, man. I wish I could. I wish I had the skills. It's just not my role here. It's not my role. So that's why I just spend every day trying to remind the people that have the skills, that have the ability and have the principles. I try to remind them of why we're here because when those incentives get in the way and when self-preservation mode kicks in, it's next to impossible to remember the real reasons and the real ramifications of, of the decisions we're making. So I just try to make it my role to do what I can instead of just sitting on my hands, instead of just, you know, just watching and just being depressed about it. What I would rather do is raise the issues, have these conversations. I take the bullets from people who think that I'm just a loud mouth, like I, every day, all day, you know, because I just think that there's something more important that, that needs to be considered here. And that is what are we building? And what are we not building? What are we refusing to build? And so far in this space, there has not been a lot of refusal. There's only been compliance. And that's just my greatest concern. My gravest concern is that saying no is an option, but it never happens. And that's a concern. When it comes to Bitcoin, we don't have to say no because the protocol does it for us, right? But Thorchain doesn't have that option. Thorchain is not going to be able to say no on its own. It's going to be up to the humans to say no. And are the humans going to say no? History tells us and, and the current trends tell us um, that's probably not going to happen. So I think that's going to conclude my rant, which went a lot longer than I thought it was going to. And again, it's unfortunate that the people that are directly involved with the development of these projects, um, with the, uh, you know, co the contributors, um, just even the anonymous contributors that I was encountering on Discord, um, apparently there's been some agreement, probably uh, suggested by lawyers, not to say a word, not to say a word. And um, it, to me, that's just a further sign of the fact that um, compliance is, is there. Compliance is happening. And uh, it's, it's, it's a shame. 
you know, because it's, it's definitely going to affect my support of the project. I've already been suggesting, um, even in my sponsorships, like on the podcast, I'll, I'll tell people, look, swapping on ThorChain is great. It's a good experience. Um, it works. It's efficient. It's affordable. But at this point, liquidity providing or entrusting your money to it on a longer period, like through the earn program with the current issues going on with the, with the centralization of the nodes, um, and with the pressure that's now being put on the protocol, I cannot suggest that you trust your money to the protocol. So again, if anybody disagrees with that, thinks I'm wrong, I'd be happy to, uh, hear that point of view, but that's my take right now. Swaps I'll still consider cause it's in and out. It's fast. Um, but, but liquidity providing, no, I wouldn't do it. And, uh, earn, I wouldn't do it. And even swaps, I wouldn't do through, through Thor swap, right? I haven't used Asgard X yet, which is the open source desktop application to do Thor chain swaps, uh, which I'm going to be looking at next. Um, I'm interested in that, you know, I'm interested in, in self-sovereign ways to use the, the protocol, but it still doesn't change the fact that the nodes have that centralization issue. And, uh, if pressure was put on them, they could make a change in a heartbeat without you knowing it and your money could get frozen, which has happened in the past. Uh, again, when there's been hacks, bugs, the nodes have colluded to halt the chain to prevent further, uh, funds from being drained or the bugs from being exploited. But that's just a great example of the power that the nodes have. Again, these no there's 93 nodes, but there's not 93 uh, people. Okay, one person can run more than one node, and you know I don't know how many individual people there are. I don't know if anybody does. You know, it could be five, it could be fifty. You know, but uh, one thing I do know is that they're in communication and they have ways to work together to to make radical changes. So, uh, it's something to keep in mind if you're using the protocol. So there's 45 minutes. I see some people just joining, but you're coming at the tail end. You missed my entire rant, which you're going to have to catch uh, on the recording. Um, so yeah, I asked if anybody had comments, feedback, and we didn't get any of that, which is unfortunate. I, I wish we could have a conversation. I don't really want to just talk to myself about this stuff. Um, the key players. Uh, basically refused to engage on the issue at the advice of their lawyers, which to me is just another signal of the problems that we're seeing here. Uh, and uh, again, I'll just leave it with this. What are we creating? You know, are we creating a new banking system that is going to have the same problems as the old one? Or are we refusing to do that? By continuing to comply, we're continuing to say we're going to be agents of the government we're going to do what the government says. That's what banks did. That's what exchange, centralized exchanges did. Is that what we're going to do too? I hope not.